to another episode of Little Give. We're so excited for our guest today. She's got so much to share with you and she's just of service. So go ahead, Angela, introduce yourself, tell us where you're from and tell us what you're all about. Okay. Hi, everyone. My name is Angela Calzone and I am the president and CEO of Inroads to Opportunities. We are a New Jersey-based nonprofit organization that serves over 400 individuals with disabilities each year. And we provide a variety of service to them, for them. And all of that essentially focuses around them attaining and sustaining meaningful employment. Wow, that's so cool. Okay, so you got to tell us, how did you get started with this mission? Well, Inroads itself started in 1959 uh, as an organization that was a combination of a, of a few nonprofits that existed, and they wanted to get together, organize, and help individuals with disabilities get to work. Um, and at the time in 1959, when Inroads, which at the time then was known as the Occupational Center of Union County, New Jersey, um, they served four consumers, four individuals with disabilities. And they started, you know, uh, giving them tasks to do on, on uh, learning how to uh, you know, perform various tasks so that they could potentially uh, get a job or do the work there right at the facility. Uh, we have grown today uh, in 2023 that we're serving over 400 individuals each year uh, with a ton of different programs. So that was how Inroads began in short. Um, for me, I've been with Inroads, oh gosh, just about three years. Um, and the newly minted president and CEO as of this July, I came in as the vice president and chief operating officer. But Inroads and I actually have a long history together. I owned a management consulting firm uh, for about a decade. And one of my key clients was Inroads. In fact, when they were the occupational centers, when I began working with them, and so myself and some of the Inroads staff were instrumental in rebranding the organization and identifying it as Inroads to Opportunities because we were so much more than uh, a predefined occupational center, or also known as a sheltered workshop. But we have so many more services than that. So we wanted to really break out of that pre-identified, uh, you know, occupational center sort of thing and rebrand to uh, let everybody know all the various opportunities that we offered, services, programs, specializations, et cetera. Oh, that's awesome. So the rebranding, I bet that really helped. Tell it our did. audience a little bit about what some of those services are. Sure. Well, we take adults uh, as young as 16 years old, and we have what we call a school-to-work transition program. And that takes individuals with disabilities who are in high school, who have an IEP, um, and we're considered an out-of-district placement. They actually come to inroads, and part of the session during the day is classroom learning, while the second part of the day is actually real world job experience. Uh, they get to go into the community and observe jobs. They get to try out different tasks and, and responsibilities. So at any given time, they may go to a local restaurant and see how wait staff work and what it, what's going on in the kitchen. Uh, 
what a hostess or a host does. So they get to observe and absorb and even try out some of these these roles, which is really exciting for them. And then, you know, a, a week later, they may be in a retail establishment. What does a stock person do? What does a cashier do? Um, so they get to job sample and witness all of these great job opportunities in the community, just like you and I have. And um, that program, School to Work Transition, lasts from 16 to 21 years old, because when you are an individual with an IEP and a disability, you actually are able to stay in high school to get that extra support until you're age 21. So once they graduate, we have the next level program for them, and they can go a couple of different ways. If they're employment ready, they will work with our supported employment department who will help them build a resume, um, you know, talk to them about dressing for success, um, give them interview best practices, go on the interview with them. And then if in fact they get a job, we're there to support them and job coach them and, you know, visit them regularly at their job location, their place of employment so that they feel fully supported throughout their career. Now, if they're not quite ready for employment when they graduate at age 21 from high school, we have a program called Transition Plus, and that builds on the School to Work Transition Program. And Transition Plus allows students from the age of 20 to 25, almost like college age, um, and they are able to continue to sharpen their job readiness skills, their vocational skills, uh, and, and life skills. What does it take to, to write a check? How do you, you know, go to the bank and open a bank account? Um, again, being exposed to different careers and jobs within the community. And they do a lot of wonderful work. In fact, our transition group most recently this spring and summer worked uh, rigorously at the community garden in Roselle Park, and they grew all sorts of wonderful vegetables. They brought those back to our cafeteria and got to, um, you know, we all got to enjoy the fruits of their labor, no pun intended. So um, they get a lot of good exposure. And then again, when they graduate that program at 25, if they're job ready, they work with our supported employment department and we go out there and help them find the job of their dreams. Hi, my name is Justin Clark, and I'm the president of the Board of Directors for Driving Single Parents, a 501c3 nonprofit serving the citizens of San Antonio and Bear County, Texas. I'm here today to tell you a little bit about the great work that our organization is doing for the citizens of San Antonio. What you're about to see is just a few photos and videos of the way that we're changing lives for single parents in and around San Antonio, Texas. Our first giveaway took place in April of 2017, just one short month after the formation of our organization. John, a Bear County resident, was the victim of a horrible drunk driver incident. He and his daughter survived the crash, and we were so proud to give our first car to this deserving family. Fast forward to 2020, a very difficult year for nonprofits. We were able to secure four vehicles for single parents in need. 
Our organization, including our board of directors, list of partners, and portfolio of people we've been able to help in San Antonio, continues to grow. And it's all thanks to donors and local community organizations that have helped us along the way. This giveaway took place in 2021 and shows that we continue to help single parents even after the struggles brought about by COVID-19. Because of limited funds and the overwhelming need, we at Driving Single Parents are incredibly selective with the people we help. Some are victims of domestic violence. Others had a spouse pass away tragically or otherwise fell on hard times. These single parents show adversity in the face of challenge and aren't looking for a handout. We offer a hand up and help get them back in the driver's seat. Many of the single parents we help go on to graduate college, get promotions, get married, mentor others, and some have even been so touched by the gift we gave them that they have decided to join our board of directors to pay it forward and ensure the continued growth of our organization. If you would like to help our organization continue to grow and continue to help single parents in need in San Antonio, Texas and Bear County, Texas, we would really appreciate your support. Please visit us online at www.drivingsingleparents.org. Thank you. Now it's time for Little Give Kindness Clips. Hello, everyone. I wanted to chat with you about our kindness clip segment. So I need a little help from my audience. So what I'm looking for are short little videos of you talking about a time that someone was kind to you, or maybe there's a time that you were kind to someone else. Share those stories with us. You can email that to me at cindy at littlegive.com. You can also hashtag littlegive online, or you can just find me on any social media platform and tag me under Cindy Wittemann. My name is spelled C-I-N-D-Y. W-I-T-T-E-M-A-N. Thank you all so much for participating and spreading that kindness. And I can't wait to feature your clip on a future episode. Wow, what a phenomenal program. I I love, I love it. Uh, My sister is actually, you know, disabled and she does a lot of different um, programs and things that really, really help her. And it just keeps her her mind stimulated and her active. And and I, I just love it so much. Why don't you explain to the audience what an IEP is? I heard you say that a couple of times, and I just want to make sure everybody understands what that means. Sure. When you are in school and uh, it appears that you may have a, whether it's a learning disability or developmental delay, um, intellectual challenge, uh, the school system and, you know, your parents may drive this, an education advocate may drive it, or the school system itself may say, I think we need to come together with the child study team in the school district. And let's assess this child and see if they, in fact, need an individual education plan, which is sort of a, a specialized, very customized plan for that student to see Um, what additional services the school system can provide them. Now, sometimes and oftentimes within the school system, uh, they're able to support that that child, that student. So they may pull them out for math or have them work in uh, a special group that um, reinforces 
you know, positive behaviors or self-esteem. They may have to pull them out for science. We'll give them one-on-one support. So it really is customized to the needs of that individual student with the intent, of course, for them to be as successful as possible in their academic career. Now, sometimes the school district may not have in-house the services that that student needs. So they, in fact, then go out of district, right, to maybe whether it's an organization like ours or um, another school system who may have a more robust program, and they send them at the expense of the school district that they're in, they send them to that program. And so that's what we experience with with some of our school to work transition students. They have an IEP and their needs are specialized such that maybe the school district doesn't have enough of a program or robust of enough of a program to be able to um, support those kids in a meaningful way. And so they come and benefit from our school to work transition program. And they have a lot of fun. Yes. I mean, I'm looking at a lot of the photos that are being shared and wow, it's so cool. Mm -hmm. Your website just shows so much of all the impactful work that you guys are doing. And it's just, it's just so inspiring. So tell us what is it about you? Obviously this kind of work's not meant for everyone. So what is it about you and your personality that, that drew you to this? Well, you know, when, when we had our management consulting practice, my my business partner and I, I came from a very for-profit, business-focused, you know, make the rich richer kind of a mentality. Uh, and so I often based success on, you know, uh, the success of our clients. He, conversely, was from a social services background, and that was quite foreign to me, Um and he, you know, talked about being mission aligned all the time with our clients. And, and so he kind of handled the nonprofit clients that we had. And I took care of the, the for-profit uh, clients. And what I started to realize is that even in the for-profit sector, there, there had to be an undercurrent of philanthropy, of giving back, of really embracing your employees, their diversity, leveraging their uh, various abilities. I mean, that's how you keep employees engaged. And, and you know, employees had abilities at all different levels, irrespective of uh, where they were employed, whether it was for-profit, non-profit. And so I really started to get an education in the diversity of, of individuals' capabilities, um, and how to really leverage them for the success uh, and achievement of of objectives for those organizations. And in working in my own business, there were times where my business partner maybe was busy with other projects and other clients. So I would step in to these nonprofit organizations very much like inroads. And uh, I was overwhelmed and in awe of the work that they were doing. Um, I didn't know places like this existed. And I think so many people like me don't know that places like this exist. And they're extraordinary and they're doing amazing work. And these are individuals who are our neighbors, our family members, in some cases, our coworkers. Um, And I, I was in love and I couldn't think of anything else but doing this 
for the rest of my life. And in 2014, I adopted a little girl from the New Jersey foster care system. That's a whole separate story. And as she and I, you know, grew together as a family, I started to realize that she had some pretty special needs herself. Um, so having been exposed to and kind of ingratiated in this um, sector of nonprofits serving individuals with whether mental health issues or, or intellectual and developmental disabilities, um, it seemed to be this sort of confluence of, of my whole life. This is where I was meant to be with this little girl and with these kinds of organizations. And I, I, I moved forward with only working with organizations like this the last few years. And um, when the opportunity came, uh, knowing that the current CEO of Inroads was about to retire, she and I talked about it. You know, I had known her for many years. I had helped her um, and supported her in that role when she uh, graduated from a vice president into the CEO role. And she had been there uh, doing that role about eight years and when she said it was time for her to retire, her and I talked about it. And she said she couldn't think of a more uh, perfect person to be able to succeed her. And I was so deeply flattered and touched by that. Um, so I can't imagine being anywhere else but this place. I am so in love with these people, with our mission, um, and how this place, I'm, I'm going to try not to get emotional, uh, how this place helps people like my kid. So it all oh, kind of came together full circle. Wow. I'm also going to try not to get emotional. <laughs> what a beautiful story. I love how you talked about that. You know, you didn't always think like this, but just, it just kind of came into your life and kind of started to hear and listen. And, and now it became personal and now look where you're at now making a difference in so many lives. I, I just love that because I think you're right. There's not a lot, you know, there's so many people out there who, you know, don't know, they right. don't know about these amazing organizations or how impactful they are. You know, we often can get, you know, stuck in our day to day and just trying to to get through our own lives and our own struggles that sometimes we don't open up enough to really see all the beauty that's out there, like the organization you're featuring sure. today. So I'm so grateful you shared that because it's not always a pretty thing. You know, it's not always like, oh, I was born in, of service. You know, it, mm -hmm. it, it can come organically like it did for you. And I just think it's amazing that you were able to share that with us. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So then tell us what happens next. Now, you know, you're the CEO of this organization, the president, and now what? Wow, uh, that's such an open-ended question because <laughs> so many people are saying, now what? I'm on the job five months. And I think what the thing that's been most exciting for me is I get to bring all that business acumen to bear, Um so many organizations like Inroads are just extraordinary in terms of the services and supports that they provide and the social work uh, that they offer uh, these individuals and their families and guardians. Um, but I think what what may lack in these in the nonprofit sector as a whole, especially at the at the um, 
the local level. I mean, you have these national nonprofit organizations and certainly they run like businesses uh, and they do good, but they do good universally, globally. Um, when you have independent nonprofits like Inroads to Opportunities, I think they are successful because of the good that they do, but they don't necessarily have that um, business strength um, on, on how to really be strategic in the services that they provide or, or monetize and leverage um, their offerings, their community-based contacts. And I think uh, I have those gifts and I am bringing those to the table for inroads now. And I, I can see how the organization is starting to pivot. You know, we have a lot of We've always had a lot of great relationships with the community and with friends and families. Um, now we're trying to reach beyond that and really, you know, identify ourselves, get out there uh, at wonderful platforms like this uh, little give and be able to tell our story um, and talk about why this is such an important institution within the community and why other people, you know, outside of us or who, who don't have a, a direct uh, relationship with someone with a disability, why it's important for them to understand who we are and what we do as well. You know, so many years um, I would hear from Inroads staff, well, the people that know us are the people that use us. And, and that's important, but we want other people to know about what we do as well, you know, uh, for a variety of reasons, maybe one of expand our board of directors. We want to be able to increase our donor base for support. And all of those wonderful things lead to a growing organization. So you know, we have a lot of wonderful work ahead of us. Oh, absolutely. And do you find that for smaller nonprofits or local, you know, nonprofits, that it's difficult to not be able to get the word out like a national would just because you don't have that marketing budget? Absolutely. You don't have the resources. You oftentimes don't have the personnel to do that as well. Um, so you really have to be resourceful and strategic um, and really understand who would embrace your mission um, if they're not being served by your mission. You know, it's, it's certainly easy to bring in the friends and family and those affected by um, uh, you know, disabilities and, and challenges such as this. But it's those others that we want to be able to reach who maybe don't have skin in the game, so to speak, and, and you know, kind of leverage their talents and abilities and how they can support the organization and just educate them who, who we are and what we do. And, and you're right. We don't have the resources that a national uh, foundation or a national nonprofit does. So, you know, we've got to um, be very critically thinking about okay, who do we want to access? How do we get to them? Uh, how do we leverage them? So it, it's really very, we have to be very mindful of it. We're blessed with uh, some really talented local people that have, um, you know, we've reached out to and, and they're doing incredible things to help us. And if they're not on our board, they're on an, an advisory committee or they're serving as our publicist and, and, you know, making connections like yourself to get us on platforms like this. So we're super, super lucky. Hi, my name is Andrew Fraley, and I believe that sometimes we all need a little bit of help. If you're in the San Antonio community and you need some legal help, 
call me at 210-725-4658. Yes, well, absolutely. And coming together as a community and helping, you know, help those with your talents, you know, selflessly. I think that's always such a, a big thing to do. One of the things that I really try to spread on this platform is that I, I found as being a founder of a nonprofit myself that people feel like, well, I couldn't donate because I don't have that much money. I don't have $10,000 to write a check. I don't have a week of my time to volunteer. So I'm not ready to become a philanthropist. And so my mission for this show is really to show people that a dollar, $5 can really make an impact. I mean, for our viewership, we have the potential to have over 30 million viewers of this show. And if just a small portion of those people went to your website and donated a dollar or $5, tell the audience what an impact that would make. Right. That, that would be amazing. You know, and whether, as you say, it's $5 or a dollar or um, even if, we, we don't get a monetary donation. We ask people to talk about us, spread the word. When you're out with, with your colleagues, when you're at the office, if you've heard about inroads, talk about inroads. Tell us, tell, tell your friends and, and your colleagues all the wonderful things that you've heard we're doing. Um, it really is word of mouth is so incredibly valuable. You know, we learn that in business that the best referral is or or the the best potential customer the easiest potential you know prospect to convert to a customer is those folks that have been referred to you right because you're already uh, they they have some level of familiarity with you and that's a lot of times what we ask you know when we go to chambers of commerce meetings or we're out in the community and we have an employer who is actually employing some of our folks or, you know, a job site where we're doing job exposure or or trial work experience with some of our folks. We say to that employer, that manager of that retail location, that host at a restaurant, talk to us about, you know, talk to your customers about us. Um, talk to your constituents about who we are and what we what we're doing and how you're working with us, what your relationship is with us, so that we spread the word and um, you know really engage the community holistically. Oh, I could not agree more. And that's another thing that I always try to tell individuals from this platform is that you know if you don't have the funds to donate or you're not able to volunteer, that's fine. But share the content, share the website, share their post like and share, comment on anything on social media that has to do with these nonprofits. That in itself, maybe you don't have the funds, maybe you don't have the ability, maybe you don't have the time, but that person that you're sharing that content with might. So just that simple act of kindness that really costs nothing can make all the difference to these nonprofits. No, that's right. I tell people all the time, please talk about me please talk about us. You know, and we always say we don't want people, we don't want people talking about it. I want people to talk about us. Let just get the word out there. Just spread the word. That's the most important thing that anyone can do for us. Evangelize our mission. Talk to people. I love that. Yeah. Give them permission to talk behind your back. I right. like that. <laughs> that's that's what we have not featured on this show before, but oh my goodness, I, I could not love that more. Yeah. You have permission to talk behind my back about right. my nonprofit <laughs> and all the work that I do. <laughs> That's possible. Right, right. I love it. Okay, so let's move 
move on to my two questions I ask all of my guests. So one is going to be, can you give the audience an example of a little thing that they can do in their community that might be, you know, a little give on their end, but might make a big impact on the other side? Oh, gosh, absolutely. Uh, There's so many things that people can do. Um, again, talk about the the nonprofits or the good work that you see going on in your community. Don't be afraid to reach out and help out. Um, I think a lot of times, as you said before, people think that that helping is an extraordinary and giant commitment. It's going to take a lot of time out of their schedule. It's going to take a lot of money out of their pocket. Neither is the case. Sometimes just lending a hand and saying, oh, call me if you need me. I'm, I'm happy to help. I don't have a lot of time. But if you need something, sometimes just these nonprofit organizations just want to give you a call and pick your brain. You know, we're doing a marketing campaign. We're doing a donor campaign. We're, you know, we're trying to outreach to, to employers or something. Just, I just want to just want to talk for a few minutes, you know, and that's it. Um, so just be accessible, be available and be ready to help. Ah, great example. Okay. The second one is, can you give the audience an example of a time in your life where, you know, if somebody did something for you that might've been, you know, just a little give on their end, but really made an impact on you and in your life? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I always, I always tell the story that when I was a little girl, I too had a, a disability and, uh, you know, I, I still work through it, but, um, you know, at an age where you're growing and developing physically, I was in, you know, body braces and leg braces. And, and so I was a sight to behold. And and this was when I was preteen and teenager. And, you know, we talk a lot these days about kids getting bullied. And, and it is a sad uh, and unfortunate st state that we live in with with bullying and, and harassment, things like that. And so I remember going to school the first week that I had been in my brace. And when I tell you this thing went all the way to my neck, down to my hips. And and like I said, I was quite a sight to behold. And, you know, you're already so self-conscious as a teenage girl or a preteen girl. And I just braced myself for it. I dreaded going to school that day. I knew what I looked like. I knew how difficult it was for me to be mobile. And um, there was a young boy who was in my class and I fully, fully expected, you know, okay, here it comes. And he showed such kindness. He, he started to ask me about it and what it was for and why I had it. And he asked me if he can touch some of the parts and pieces and it's absolutely. And before you know it, some of the other kids were kind of gathering around and they were asking questions. And um, then we had to go to gym class. And, you know, back then you had to change your clothes for gym and, and get into the gym suit. And so I had to do that. I had to take all these pieces and parts off and, um, you know, carry it to the coach's office because that's where we were going to store it. It was a whole lot of apparatus that I had to wear. And, uh, you know, the kids were starting to want, can I try it on? Can I, feel, can I see what this looks like on me and show me how it works? And all because of this young boy who really showed kindness and respect as opposed to, you know, the kind of bullying and teasing um, the whole class and eventually the whole, you know, school kind of embraced this and went through the experience in a very positive way with me and was very supportive. Um, and it became 
probably one of the best memories of my life that I got to share um, and educate about uh, this disability and kind of raise awareness of it and, and feel really good and feel completely accepted. And I didn't feel so different after all. Oh, wow. I mean, again, try not to get emotional. What a beautiful story. Like kids can be so mean and being at that age where, you know, you're just trying to figure out yourself. It's, right. it's, a, it's a very difficult age. I, I have six kids and I've already had several teenagers and oh, it's a lot. But just hearing that story is just like, wow, that one thing, you know, just that one little boy just taking the time to just kind of be inquisitive and not be a bully but engage with you and learn more about what this was. Oh, I love, love, love that story. I think we should start a new hashtag called embrace the brace. (laughs) That is so cool. So thank you so much for sharing that. Now, why don't you uh, tell the audience where if they want to know more about you and all you do that they can get in touch with you. Absolutely. They can reach us uh, most effectively at our website inroads2.org. Um, we have a donate page there. We have a contact us page there. Uh, our telephone number, our email addresses, all of that are on, on that site. So anything that anybody wants to talk about, uh, inquire about, donate, get involved in, they can do so right through the website. I love that. Thank you so much for being on today. I have so enjoyed. I mean, I don't think it's very often that I almost cried two times in one episode, but that that your story is so impactful of how, you know, you got involved with this nonprofit, even though you were really from the for-profit space. And then you, you know, tell this story about how your childhood was, you know, a struggle with a disability yourself. And it just, it just seems like you've really kind of come full circle where, you know, once you were in need for some help when you were having that issue. And then now you're out there every day working hard selflessly to help other individuals with that, that in that way with disabilities. So I just think your story is so impactful and I'm so grateful to have you on. Thank you, Cindy. This has been an extraordinary uh, conversation. I loved having with you. Thank you. And I feel that I am meant to be exactly where I am right now. You know, all things lead to to this place. And I couldn't be more thrilled to doing the work that I'm doing. And so thank you for having us on today. Absolutely. So why don't you give the audience some parting words and then we will conclude the episode. Sure. Okay. I just share with everybody Don't ever be afraid to help. Don't ever be afraid to ask questions. Uh, It is, we want to talk about our disabilities. We want to educate. Uh, We want to engage. Um, And we want to help too. So uh, let's keep the conversation going. And let's not be so afraid or intimidated by each other. Oh, I love it so much. Thank you so much for those parting words and for all you do to help others. Everybody out there for watching, if you love this nonprofit and you're passionate about it, please go visit their website, do some research, find out more. And if you can donate a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, whatever you can give, all of that money can really help make an impact and make a ripple effect to continue giving. So thank you everyone out there for watching and thank you Angela again for coming on today. 
Really enjoyed the conversation and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Take care. Happy holidays to everybody. Thank you so much for watching this episode of Little Give. If you would like to learn more about how I highlight ordinary people doing extraordinary things to help others, or maybe you'd like to be a guest, or maybe you know a nonprofit that you would like to see featured on a future episode of Little Give, you can find all the information on our website at littlegive.com. If you'd like to get involved with our kindness clip segment, please do send in those videos. Send them via email to cindy at littlegive.com or you can tag us on any social media under Cindy Wittemann or hashtag littlegive. If you'd like to know more about our podcast, you can also find us on all major streaming platforms under Little Give Podcast. Please do find our Facebook group under Little Give TV Show and join it. We'd love to keep you up to date with future episodes. Thank you all so much for watching. And I can't wait to highlight the next ordinary person doing extraordinary things to help others. See you next time.